Maybe we pull up that table over there. It's there, it's in Kilgallon? No? Maybe it's in Hay. Where is it? Maybe it's Gelg Bays. Could be some Gelg Bays, probably Gelg Bays. Look at Bays. This mine uh, each if it like stands <coughs> on its own. Each one teaches us something. So even if you don't finish the whole thing, each Indian is an Indian by itself. Even if you happen a little bit later, it's different in your <laughs> Okay, Tono Rabbana and Mitzvah Nechanukim. This is from the Gemara. Bisham Yemrim Yemrishayin. Madlik Shmoyne, Mikan Veilach, Poiches Veilach. Bishamay says that uh, it's true, every day is a different number. Most mitzvahs, you stick to the same number every day. In Hanukkah, there's a switch of numbers, but how do you switch the numbers? So there's a machlekas. Bishamay says, Poiches Veilach, you decrease. The first night, tonight is eight, tomorrow is seven, you decrease. Tonight it's one. Each night you add more. So it's very un- difficult to understand the logic of Vishamai. Why should you decrease? Since when do we decrease? We always increase, like Vesil says. We suppose decrease. So the Gemara says, We find in the Chumash. A decrease on Sukkis, when you would bring the Purim, the, the Korbanis, the sacrifices of Purim. So we find over there, attack of this concept, that you decrease. The first night is 13, the first day is 13, the second day is 12. So you find this precedence of Purim, where you, there's a decrease. So that's the source of Beishama. The Talmud of Beishil, the reasoning of Beishil is, Beishil follows the standard logic. Standard logic is you always increase. If you do, so we have the question of the Alter Rebbe. 
What's the connection between the Hanukkah and the Purim of the Chag of Sukkot? So Bishami learns out from Sukkot, from Purim Chag, to decrease. What's the connection? What does it have to do with the other? Usually, we do Milam B'Kodesh, you add. So just because in Purim Chag, by Sukkot you decrease, that's when Hanukkah decreases. That must mean that there's a very deep connection between Hanukkah and Purim and, and Sukkot. Therefore, by Sukkot you decrease, therefore Hanukkah you decrease. So what's the connection? This question is even stronger. This is what Alt Rebbe asks. But the question becomes stronger. Tzimotzedek adds a certain detail to this, and the Kasha becomes stronger. What does he add? He says that really Hillel agrees with Bishamai in principle that you should have decreased based on Poleachag. The only reason Hillel doesn't agree in actuality is Mitzad Mailum Bekoidish. Mitzad, the rule that you add in Kedush. But without that rule, he would agree to Bishamai, that it's like Poleachag. So you see that not just according to Bishamai, even according to Hillel, Chanak is connected to the Poleum of Sukkah. So, so what's this connection? So there's an answer presented in, in many Maimorim where I was going to show that still doesn't fully answer the question. It's explained in many places in Chesidish, Ashaych is the Chanukah of Sukkot. You want to know what the connection is between Sukkot and Chanukah? He says, Shneimim Shmoyne Yomim. They both are Shmoyne Yomim. How many days is Pesach? How many days is Pesach? Huh? How many days is Pesach? Pesach is seven days. Pesach is seven. Shavuos is how many days? Shavuos is one. Okay. So Yom Tevim of the Torah is one. Seven. When it comes to Sukkot, that beats everyone. That wins the auction. Sukkot is eight. And we find that Chanukah is also eight. So they're both eight. And why is this important, the number eight? The eight is a number, but it's a number that signifies What does the number seven signify? What's seven? Seven is Ishtalshlus. But, but it's not the same as six. Right? I'm sure you learned this in school, in mathematics, in the second grade, you know, numbers, one, two, three, four, you know what numbers mean. Six is just regular. Regular. Seven, oh, don't say seven is regular, because last night you made, you did Havdallah. What does Havdallah, what did Havdallah tell you? That seven and six have no relationship. You made Havdallah. Ben Yisroel Amin, Ben between the six days and Shabbos. So seven is holy, it's way different than six. But, even though seven is holy, yet, it's still part of Hishtalshulus. It's a holiness of Hishtalshulus. Dafke eight, eight didn't even make it into the weekly cycle. The weekly cycle has seven days, six days and seventh day. Eight didn't even make it into the cycle because it's above all cycles. Okay, so eight is lemaylem ishtalshlus. So that's the common thread between sukkahs, which is eight, 
Pesach doesn't have that. As holy as Pesach is, it's only seven. Sukkot has something unique, it's the union of eight, Lomailam Ishtalshulos. And Chanukah, even though it's a Yantav Midrabonon, you would have imagined Rabbanon, it's a lower key, lower class. No, it's also eight. So now we see the connection between Sukkot and Chanukah. So that seems to answer our question. What was our question? Why did the Bishama use Sukkot as a precedence for decreasing? That shows that Sukkot and Chanukah have a connection. What's the connection? So now we just found the connection. The connection is it's eight, it's Lamal Mishtashmos. So it seems that everything is resolved. But no, it's not. This itself needs explanation. So what's tackle the connection of Sukkot to Lomayla Mishtalshalos? And Chanukah Lomayla Mishtalshalos? And therefore they're both eight. But, it's, but, the, but over here the point is that Sukkot is Lomayla Mishtalshalos. Pesach not. Pesach is such a Kedusha which is Shach Tishtalshalos, the normal, what is Tishtalshalos? The normal chain of Kedusha, the normal uh, natural Kedusha. What is Tishtalshalos? Then you have eight, which is Lamailamishtalshlos. It's not the natural kudusha, it's something way beyond. So we know that Chanukah and Sukkot are both eight Lamailamishtalshlos. But what we don't know yet is why Taka Sukkot Lamailamishtalshlos and why is Chanukah Lamailamishtalshlos. So that still has to be explained. The Gam, now another problem, another question. The whole takon of the whole ruling that we light near Chanukah. Where does it come from? What's the source? The neirais of the base of Migdash. There was a menorah in the base of Migdash. That's the source. The problem is That's how many you had by the base of Migdash. Zayin neirais. Madu bechanukah yeshmoyne neirais v'yamim. Why bechanukah is there eight? Now, if you're going to ask this question in the cheder to a nine-year-old child, you'll ask him, why is Chanukah eight? What do you think they're going to answer? Because there was in this for eight days. Like, what do you mean? That's how long it lasted, so that's why it's eight. So what's the question here? Why is he asking a question? What's the question here, then? In the base of Migdash, how many nails were there in the Menorah? Seven. Chanukah, there's eight. Why is there eight? What do you want to say? Because then this was for eight days. Simple answer. So the question here is, is, is not in the pshat, it's in pnimis in yonim. Everything has the pnimis, the inside. So if you find that the nest lasted for eight days, so why did the nest last for eight days? It could have lasted for seven days or for six days. Everything has a reason. So if you see that Hanukkah, the nails of Hanukkah is eight, there's a reason for that. It's not just because technically that's how long the nest, that, that's a level of Kedusha. And the question here is, the source is in the base of Migdash where it's seven. So how could the Menorah of Chanukah be more advantageous than the source where it comes from? It comes from the level of seven. And then it turns into eight. How did that transition help happen? Okay, that's the second question. So the first question is, basically it ends up being the question, what's the connection between Chanukah and Sukkot to eight? To Lumayla Mishnah 
Now we have a question. If the source of the Menorah of Hanukkah is based on Middash, there it was seven and here it's eight. Third question. That's a Yiddish word, Fargleich. In Hebrew, the word is Hashva means the comparison. So we have to understand Masha Fergleich, the comparison to Neiros Chanukah. Oh, We're comparing this not to Sukkos Bichlal. Ella to one particular part of Sukkos. So why are we comparing the Neiros Chanukah to specifically the Poriachag, the sacrifices of Poriachag, not to not to Sukkos in general? This part of Sukkot, which is Porechag, why are we comparing to that? We would imagine that you cannot compare the the Menoira, the Neirois, to Porechag. The source of Neiros Chanukah is the Menoira. Neiros Chanukah, where was the Menoira? The Menoira was in the Besamikdash. So Neiros Chanukah is connected to the Menorah of the Beis Hamikdash. Upor Echag is connected to which part of the Beis Hamikdash? He kriv kechol kabanos l'gav mizbeach. That was on the mizbeach. Okay, so it's two different kalim of the Beis Hamikdash. You have the Menorah and you have the mizbeach. Now we know that the Menorah mizbeach him shnei kalim shonim. They're two separate kalim of the base of Middash. Two yeah. separate kalim. Ubefrat, if you have a especially the way it's explained, Kabbalah there it emphasizes how very different these two kalim are in their levels. They're extremely different. That's as far as the kalim goes. Likewise, the, the negus and kalbonus itself are different avoiders, different ways of serving Hashem. And they're so different that we see in the Medrash. The Medrash makes the following statement. This is after uh, there was a disappointment on the part of Aharon. And the disappointment was that when it came, uh, one, of the re- one of the reasons for the name Hanukkah, what does the name Hanukkah mean? One of the translations of Hanukkah is Hanukkah. Hanukkah means means what? What does Chanukah mean? Chanukah Sabayas. What's Chanukah Sabayas? How do you translate that? Inauguration. Inauguration. It was inauguration of, it was inauguration of the of the of the Mishkan, it was the inauguration. So what happened was when they had the inauguration in the Mishkan, so all the Shvatim, each of the Shvatim brought special korbanos to celebrate the inauguration of the Mishkan. But there was one shaver that didn't bring anything. And that's Levi, that's Aaron Akoin. Aaron Akoin didn't bring anything. So he was very disappointed. So we're going to be reading in the Torah, starting from tomorrow, we're going to be reading the Korbanes, the inauguration Korbanes, which each of the Shvatim brought. So we're going to be reading tomorrow by Yoyim Arishan on the first day of the inauguration. So this shavit brought these korbanas. And on the second day of Hanukkah, we're going to be reading from the second day. Each day we're going to be reading one of the days. Okay, then 
by the way, which, when was the inauguration actually in the calendar? Do you know when it was? When was the inauguration of the Mishkan? It was Rosh Chodesh Nisa. Chodesh Nisa. Uh, they, they finished building the Mishkan on Chof Hei Kislev, which is Hanukkah. That's why it's called Hanukkah, because that's when they finished. But they didn't start the services of the Mishkan until many months later. And it actually began Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And Rosh Chodesh Nisan, it began the inauguration celebration, which lasted for 12 days. Each day, one of the Shvatim brought Karbonis. And interestingly, it was the same exact Karbonis, but each day, another Shevet brought the Karbonis. Okay, so therefore, we're going to be reading each day of Hanukkah, we're going to be reading one of those Karbonis. But how many days are there in Hanukkah? Eight. And how many kobanas were there? Twelve. Twelve. Okay, so the mathematics doesn't match because each day you read from one day. Okay, so you, all you could read is only eight days, but you need a couple more days, four more days you're missing. So what are you going to do? Don't worry about it because on the eighth day we're going to read eighth, ninth, tenth. We're going to have a long reading on the eighth day to include all the twelve days. So you would think that on the eighth day of Hanukkah we're going to read from day eight all the way through 12 and you stop after 12. No, you don't stop after 12. You keep on reading a couple more psukim about Baaloischa because the, the inauguration wasn't Pasha's Nasai. So you finish the, the inauguration and you go into Baaloischa speaking about the Menorah. The Menorah, nothing to do with the inauguration. So how did you get into the Menorah all of a sudden? Okay, it's Hanukkah, maybe that's why. But there's a deeper thing taking place. What's the deeper thing? That after the 12 Shatim were bringing their Kobanais, Aaron felt left out because he was not involved in the inaugurations. He was upset. So Shem said, calm down. Let me explain you that your participation is more valuable than the 12 Shatim. So these are the words that Hashem said. Shalcha means yours. Who's yours? That's Aaron. Your participation. What did Aaron do? He brought in all these days. He lit the Menorah, the Neirais. So your participation in all these days in the Menorah, G'doyla Mishalhem, it's greater than them. Who's the them? The twelve. The Shvatim, the Kabanis, the sacrifice of the twelve days. They're Kabanis. Why is yours greater? They are bringing sacrifices in the Mizbeach. You're learning them in Naira. How is yours greater? So, so the Medrash explains how it's greater because Einon betailing li'olam. Yours will never become bottle. Yours will never stop. Your Menaira will continue to function forever and ever. Now, it's not so clear what that means. Kalbana is stop at one point and uh, the Menorah continues forever. What is that supposed to mean? So, at, so one of the Pshatim is that by the Chuban Beis Amigdash, when the Amigdash is destroyed, so you don't bring any more Kobanas until the third Beis Amigdash. But when it comes to the Menorah, Hashem made that the Menorah will never stop, meaning even after the Chuban Beis Amigdash, when we were in Galos, we still have the Menorah. How do you still have the Menorah? The Menorah of Hanukkah. So the Yes of Hanukkah is an extension of the Menorah of the Beis Amigdash. In any case, what we see from here is 
that the menorah and the korbonis are two separate avoiders, and we even know which one is greater. The menorah is much greater. So why do we compare the menorah of Hanukkah to the poriachak, to the korbonis of Sukkot? Compared to Sukkot, maybe, but why korbonis? Korbonis and the menorah are two distinct avoiders, two different levels. Why do you chunk them together? Okay, again, what was the first question? What's the connection between Hanukkah and Sukkot to the level of eight, which is the Malamishtalshlus? What's the second question? Why do you compare? Why do you compare uh, Hanukkah to which part of Sukkot? Dafka, the Korbanus of Sukkot. Seems to be very different. Korbanus and Menorah. Third question, when do we light, when do we light the Neres Chanukah tonight? By Shkia. By sunset. We, we, so it's known the cash on this. The Neres Amigdash, the Neres and the Beis Amigdash, what time of the day did they light the menorah of Beis Hamikdash. They lit it from Plaga Mincha, which is uh, which is Shal Ravia Koytemashki. It's an hour and a quarter before sunset. That's when they lit the menorah of the Beis Hamikdash. V'chimish Neiros Chanukim Kanalp Neishoy Beneiros Hamikdash. The question here is that since the Neiros of Chanukah comes from the Neis which happened in the Neiros of the Beis Hamikdash. So therefore, the question is, it should have been the same. Just like the menorah of the Beis Hamikdash is by Shkia, when it's dark. So the menorah, I'm sorry, the menorah of the Beis Hamikdash is Plaga Mincha when it's still light. It's an hour and a quarter before sunset. So why is the menorah of Hanukkah different? And instead of being in the afternoon, it's by night. And to strengthen the question, the Rebbe adds, Ubefrat. We have a rule that goes like this. It's called the Tikkun Rabbanon. Everything the Rabbanon were Mesakin, every ruling of the Rabbanon, the style the Rabbanon used is Ke'en Doraisa Tikkun. They always follow the pattern of the Torah Din. So therefore, since the Torah Din is Miplaga Mincha, so so it would appear that it would be proper that the time you light the Chanukah Menorah should be the same time as the Beis Hamikdash. Why is the mitzvah of Neiros Chanukah Dafka by night? So these are three questions we have. Again, question number one: What's the connection to Chanukah and Sukkot to Lamaylam Yishtalsos to eight, which is higher than Question number two: Why do we compare Chanukah to which part of Sukkot, specifically to the Korbanos of Sukkot? What is Korbanos of Menorah? Question number three. Why is the timing different? By the way, Semigdash, you light it in the afternoon when it's day. And by the Chanukah, you light it by night. If it comes from the Menorah, the Semigdash, it should be the same time. These are three questions. Did I skip any questions? What's with number eight, the Pemis Yarm for eight? For, for the eight things of Chanukah? Yeah, that's the first question, yeah. Correct to the first question. It's the seventh question. Yeah, I mean, he started, that's how he started in the beginning. He started asking the question, what's the connection to Parachag? 
Then he says it answers in some places that it's eight, which is hardly nishtashlus. So that itself needs explanation. Why is Chanukah and Sukkot hardly nishtashlus? We also need to understand why seven, uh, menor- seven by the Bismuthish and eight by our menor- menorah. Whether seven layers by the ah, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Why is this uh, seven? Right, that's right. We missed that question. That's right. Very good. Yeah. Why this is seven? This is eight. So we have four questions. That's right. That's right. <coughs> okay, base. <coughs> so the explanation is go, we're going to explain now the Nakudasabil. We're not going to start. We're not going to go to the whole Arichas. All the details, but let's get to the to the to the summary of the explanation of all these inyanim. So the summary is the inyanim shall neiras chanukah leiras achoshech. What neiras chanukah is about is leiras achoshech, and this is the fundamental principle which answers all the questions. By stating this fact, neiras chanukah is about leiras achoshech. Because this is very significant. Because this is a breakaway from the menorah of the Beis Amigdash. What's the function of the menorah of the Beis Amigdash? Not Lahoyrus Achoyshech. The menorah of the Beis Amigdash had a different function. But the Neiris Chanukah don't think it's merely an extension to the menorah of the Beis Amigdash. Rather, it has its own agenda. The Neiris of Chanukah has its own agenda, separate from the Menelah Beis Amigdash, different from the Menelah Beis Amigdash. And what's the agenda? To bring light into the darkness. That's a unique function of the Menelah of Chanukah. Okay, now, on one hand, this could solve many issues. That's why you're gonna, we're going to see that's why you light it at night. But, but you get back to the basic question again. Basic question is, what's the source of the Menorah of Chanukah? The source is from the Beis So if you're going to tell me that the Neiras Chanukah is a breakaway different than the Menorah of the Beis so this itself is a question. If the Menorah of the Beis is not about shining in the darkness, and Chanukah comes from the Beis so why did Chanukah change the agenda? So that's what we're going to discuss now. Like why the Neiros of Chanukah is different than the Menorah of Beis It is different because it's Lohayos Achayshech. But how did that happen? How did the transition happen? We would have imagined it should be the same agenda as the Menorah of Beis So he's going to explain this. This happened, the this happened after the Yuvanim entered the Heichel, they entered the Beis Amigdash. Betimu kalashmanam shebeheichel. They were metamidic contaminated all the oils of the Beis Amigdash. Which means, she's gabrus hachoshech da Yuvanim. The Yuvanim intensified the choshech, they brought Choshech, they contaminated the Beis Amigdash. They entered the Beis Amigdash, that's already Choshech, that's already darkness. Plus they're contaminating the oils. That's Choshech, that's darkness. 
That's like the opposite of what the Menorah is about. The Menorah is all about light. When you have the Menorah in the base of Migdash, what's that? Light. You want to increase light. Come the Yavanim, and they're the opposite of the Menorah of the base of Migdash. They're the opposite of light. They represent Choshech. As a matter of fact, note 16 says that when it says in the beginning of Chumash, the Choshech, there was darkness in the world. So the Medrash says, you know what darkness is? Yavan. Yavanim represent darkness. So when they come into the base of Migdash, they are intensifying darkness. And how much darkness in a terrible way? He's going to explain that it's terrible darkness. It was to such an extent, this darkness. It's not just that they entered the base of Migdash and made it tummy, which is already dark. But it gets worse as you go along. They also made, not only the base of Migdash did they make Tomei, they also made sure to contaminate the Shemen, the oil of the base of Migdash. So there's two things that they did. They make the base of Migdash Tomei, but not just that, they also make Tomei the oils of the base of Migdash. So I would have imagined, which is worse? Which is worse? I would say making the base of Migdash Tomei is probably worse than just making the oil Tomei. But he says, no, it's not true. In a certain way, making the oils Tomei is worse than making the base of Migdash Tomei. How's that? It's an extension inside the... Well, so let's see, how's that? The Shemen who is Kodesh. Shemen is a level. When you have shemun, you have oil in the base of Migdash, it's not just oil. Oil is a certain level of Kedusha holiness. Kameshikoso, like the Pasuk says, shemun mishchas kaitish. The Taylor says that shemun is kaitish, it's holy. There's a holiness in shemun. And what kind of holiness does it have? So we have a teaching of the Zoyar. The Zoyar has a teaching that goes like this. Kaitish? It's a word unto itself. So the Zayah is teaching us there are different degrees of Kedusha. Sometimes the Kedusha goes together with another word. That's the way Kedusha gets connected to something lower. But then you have Kedusha as it is a word to itself. It's a word to itself. Which means it's a level of wholeness which is distinct disconnected from anything else. That's how holy it is. It's Mila Begalmei. So when we deal with the holiness of the Shemen, it's Kodesh. What kind of Kodesh? Mila Begalmei. It's a distinct holiness. And we have a muscle for this. The muscle is the muscle for distinct holiness. Bedugmas has Shemen. You see this in the Shemen Begashmias that we see it floats on all liquids it doesn't mix together with them so when you put wine for example wine also has a certain level of holiness okay yayin also has holiness uh, yayin is the holiness of sight right what's the numerical value of yayin yayin is how much 70, right? Yod, 
Yud, Nun, seventy, right? Soides, what's the miracle value? Samach, Vav, Dal, how much is that? Seventy. Ah, so the holiness of Yayin is Soides, it's, it's a holy level. Nevertheless, try mixing wine with water. What will happen with the wine? It's going to mix together with the water. Shemin is holiness, which is greater than Yayin. It's a higher holiness. Okay, what kind of holiness? It's Kodesh. What kind of Kodesh? Distinct. So try mixing oil with liquid. It's going to float on top. Why Begashmis will it float on top? Because in Kuchnis it's that way. In Kuchnis it's distinct. It's Kodesh Mila Begalmei, it's a Sept Kedusha. So that's why the Gashmis, the characteristic of oil, is that when you mix it with liquid, it stays distinct. It flows on top. In any case, what does that all this tell us? That the level of Shemen in the base of Migdash was an extraordinary holiness. The Mizah move on from this we understand the fact that the Yavanim they were they contaminated all the oils of the Besamigdash Negebifradze as far as this goes, it's uh, this is even worse than the fact that they contaminated the Besamigdash. Because when they contaminated the oil of the base of Migdash, that was an extraordinary holiness that they contaminated. Even though the Kedusha of the base of Migdash is a very holy level. It's a very holy level, nevertheless, they co- and they contaminated that which is darkness. But what's worse, as far as this goes, is they, when they contaminated the level of the oil. They didn't just contaminate the Gashmi's the oil. It was the level that the oil was. That's what they contaminated. That's like a very, worst case darkness. You could also prove it from the fact when you look at the reverse. In the reverse, after the miracle happened, come the Yidin and they purify the base of Migdash. In order to be like the Menorah, they needed a Ness. So to purify the base of Migdash from the contamination of the base of Migdash, did that require a Ness? No, they just cleansed it. But when they wanted to get to the next step and light the Menorah, they couldn't just cleanse it. This required a ness, and which ness? M- multiple nisim. Maschil ma'ness, beginning from the ness, shemotzu pachachot shementoyer, chos mechizam shkolein godol, they found this one pitcher of pure oil with a signature, with a seal of the kain godol. So you need a ness in order to be able to find, to, to find pure oil. You don't need a ness to purify the base of Migdash. You need a ness to, to, to purify the oil. Why? Because the contamination, the darkness of the base of Migdash was dark, but not that dark. So you could purify it without a miracle. But the darkness that they contaminated, the oil, that darkness is so powerful that with normal measures of holiness, you can't purify it. What is required? You need a nestafka. What's the nest? The first nest is... They had to find the pitcher which was sealed with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. That itself is a ness. Which Mephoshim answer a question with this ness. Uh, there's a famous question, Chanukah's eight days, 
because there was a nest for eight days, but it seems that the nest was not eight days, it was only seven days, because for one day they had enough. So one of the answers is the fact that they found the picture the first day, that was a nest. So you need a nest to find the picture. And really, the nest in Pnimis and Yonim is a very powerful nest because it says it was sealed with a seal of Kain Gadol. Okay? So when you, when you, when you want to go to the store and you want to buy oil, kosher, for Hanukkah, you'll make sure there's an OU, I don't know, an OK, some Heksha symbol. So I guess in the olden days they had a Kayan symbol. Okay? O OK, OC, O Kayan. Okay? O Chav, Kayan. But you don't need a Kayan Godo seal. You don't need that. But over here it says, what kind of seal did they find? The seal of the Kayan Godo. Everybody will agree. Uh, well, by Kayanim they wouldn't agree. Yeah. They wouldn't agree. Okay, maybe. Okay. So, the, so they. Okay. Okay. So, so we're going to see now that the fact that it was sealed with a seal of Kayan Godo wasn't just Stama Gashemistika seal. There was a Ruchni's Dika seal here. When the Kain Gadol sealed on it, it was a Ruchni's Dika level that the Kain Gadol instilled into the oil and caused this miracle. Which level was this seal of the Kain Gadol? Oirin Saif Shalomailam Ishtashalus. That's what this was. This is Oirin Saif, which is higher than Ishtashalus. This is the holiness of Hashem, the way it's higher than Ishtashalus, the, the normal levels of holiness. That's what the seal of the Kayin Gadol means. If we would have the seal of a regular Kayin, it's holy. But what kind of holiness? Normal holiness, which is good. But Kayin Gadol is better than just good. It's oirin soiv l'mayla mishtalshalas. Shalagabo, and why do you need this for? Shalagabo oir when you're dealing with this oil, this powerful holiness of Hashem, which is higher than Gam darkness cannot darken. It shines the choishich. Okay, so it works like this: that we have, we have the times of the Yavanim, we have a period of darkness. What's the darkness? They contaminate holiness. Okay, that's darkness. So there's different levels of darkness. There's one darkness that's dark because it's dark. You know, there's light and there's dark. So dark is dark by itself. But dark gets darker when darkness starts going to the light and contaminating the light and making the light dark. That's more dangerous darkness. And how dangerous does it get? The higher the holiness the darkness contaminates, the worse darkness it is. And by the Yavanim, it was pretty bad. It was very bad because they contaminated the light of the Besam Migdash. As long as the Yavanim were outside the Besam Migdash, they were dark. But now they were able to go to the Besam Migdash and make that dark, make that holy. Not just that, they go to the Shemin, to the oil, and they make that dark. Shemin is such a high level. It's a Kedusha by itself. Even that they made dark. So it's a very dangerous situation. Even the lofty level of holiness becomes dark. So how do you overcome that? So ordinarily, to overcome darkness, you need light. Light overcomes darkness. As a matter of fact, all it takes is a small light to overcome a lot of darkness. 
like he brings in Tanya when you have a dark room, you light one match, a small flame, and there's light for the whole room. So this works when you have your standard darkness, then light is sufficient, regular light is sufficient. But when it came to the darkness of the Yuvanim, which is extraordinary darkness, terrible darkness, over here your ordinary light wouldn't work. Because this was a terrible darkness. It's like you find the darkness of Mitzrayim, by the Makkah of Choshech. When Hashem made the Choshech in Mitzrayim, it wasn't standard darkness. What kind of darkness was it in Mitzrayim? It was a tangible darkness. Right? Well, how did that express itself, the tangible darkness? How did it express itself? It couldn't move. It couldn't move. It caused the paralysis. Okay? It was a tangible darkness. Okay, in a tangible darkness, you can't just fight it with a regular match. So the Yuvanim was a tangible darkness, was a terrible darkness. So what kind of light is required to overcome such a darkness? So here you need an extraordinary light. And this is You need the light of Hashem, not your standard oil, which is regular holiness. For this darkness, you need oil and say, which is higher than the supernatural holiness. Only such a light could overcome the darkness of the Yavanim. So that's why when they found the oil, they needed an oil, not the regular oil. They needed the oil, which is higher than Shalos. So every oil of the Besamekdash is holy. But at this point of darkness, they needed a unique level of oil. Not your regular oil, but the oil in the level of the Kain Gadol, which is This was the oil necessary to overcome the darkness of the Yavanim. Now how does it uh, overcome? So he says, not only the darkness should not be dark. This is the light which will shine the Choshech. What does that mean, the light shines the Choshech? So he says over here the words, It's a powerful statement. You know what this means? The darkness itself starts shining. When you have a regular light fighting darkness, so it's, it's dark in a room, you have a light, so the light overcomes the darkness. But it doesn't mean the darkness becomes light. The darkness is darkness. You push away the darkness. But when you're dealing with this extraordinary light of the not only does that shine despite the darkness of the Yavanim, but even more than that, the darkness itself starts shining. And this is based on a Pasuk where it says, Vahavaya, Yagiachashri, it says the Shem Havaya, Havaya is going to shine my darkness. So in Tehillim it says the word Havaya without the Vav, not Vehavaya, just Havaya, Hashem will shine in the darkness. But there's a Pasuk that says, Vahavaya Giachashri with a Vav. Now we know that the, word, that the letter, but says Vav. We know that the Vav, every letter in Aleph Beis, signifies a, a level of holiness. What does the Vav signify? So the Vav is a powerful letter, because Vav is a line. 
What does a line mean? A line means it could take from all the way up and bring it all the way down. So when it says vav not just shem havaya, it's the vav which goes much higher and goes into havaya from much higher. Notice we're dealing over here with the answer. So when you have vavaya, then it causes the choshech itself to shine. Oh, so where are we holding now? Now we're holding that the function, the job description of the menorah of Hanukkah is to bring light to the darkness. So the problem we have is, well, one second, the menorah of the Besamekdash, what was that about? That wasn't about the darkness. So how did it change? So he's explaining how it changed. Because under normal conditions, the menorah of the Besamekdash has a job description. What's that? To bring light, to add light. To add light where? To holiness. When it comes to holiness, you have to add more and more light. But there wasn't a darkness yet that penetrated the base of Migdash. The darkness was outside. The base of Migdash is about light. How much light? More light and more light. But once the darkness of the Yivonim entered the base of Migdash, and it even contaminated the oars of the base of Migdash, now all of a sudden the regular light of the base of Migdash will not suffice to destroy and get rid of the darkness and to transform darkness to light. Here you need an extraordinary light. So in the story of the Mikdash, they found this extraordinary light through the shaman of the Kayin Gadol. They found the picture of Orphan Kayin Gadol, which at that point they required that shaman. Up to that point, any oil could be used for the, for the, for the, for the Menorah of the Beis Mikdash. But at that point, they couldn't use any oil. They needed extraordinary oil. Because now that oil had to fight the darkness of the Yavanim. Now we'll understand why Neres Chanukah, which is an extension to the Menorah of the Beis Amigdash. But which Menorah? The post Yavan Menorah, the Menorah that has the Shem of the Kain God, all this extraordinary light. So it's all about shining into the darkness. So the new job description of the Menorah of Hanukkah, which comes from this nail, is to now brighten the darkness. So now we understand one of the questions we're going to answer now. Why is the timing different? In the Vesemikdash, it's in the afternoon. By Hanukkah, it's at night. Because the job description of Hanukkah Menorah is to shine in the darkness. Because it's a new era in history. In the olden days, there wasn't so much darkness. So you could, you, could, you could put the light on in the afternoon, it's still light outside. Because in Gruchnius there was still light. So you could light the Menorah for more light. But once there's an additional darkness, so now it's not enough to have regular light. Now you have to shine into the darkness. So therefore the Menorah of Chanukah is dafka when it's dark. That's when the Chanukah is all about to shine in the darkness. And this answers one of the other questions. Why are there eight lights? Which is one of the questions. And the days of Chanukah are eight. Why eight? What does the number eight indicate? It's above Ishtal Shalos. 
שמצד בחינה זו דווקא אפשר לא ירגע מסחשך, because of this level you could shine in the darkness. So one of the questions we had was, what's the connection of Chanukah to Lamal Mishtashlis? So now we have the answer, because there was more darkness, so you need this light, you need eight dafka, and you need, uh, even though the nails of, of the base of English was seven, this has to be eight dafka. And why it's dafka at night, not in the afternoon? Because the job description of Yos Chanukah is to, is to shine into the darkness. So one of the examples was that uh, when Lubavitch started the public uh, lighting outside, so that's when you saw all the darkness. You saw the darkness that so many people were fighting against public menorah lighting that shows in the darkness. And they came, usually it's sad to say, from Yidin, not from Goliath. <laughs> Yidin were against it. That's how much darkness it was. They were fighting all over against it. And, and, and yet they wish to help, and the light of Hanukkah shines, and, and, uh, and the court said it's, it's mutter, even according to the United States. So now all over the world there's public Hanukkah lightings, you know, all over because the light is shining even in the darkness. And just this year there was this miracle that happened out of Shabbos. One of the places where they're doing this public lighting is in Germany. In Germany, they're doing a public lighting play in the place where the Nazis, Yemach Shimon, gathered to, to do bad things in Yiddin. In that same place, they have a big menorah now. And the president of Germany is, uh, participates, is going to participate, or did participate in, in, in lighting the menorah. So before Shabbos, there was some that were fighting against, they wanted to cancel the whole event. They claimed it was illegal, and you, you don't have the right papers. They brought the right papers. They said, these papers, and you need other papers. They, they were fighting tooth and nail against it, and finally they, they told the shliach, you, you, it's canceled. The event is canceled. The event is canceled. You can't have this lighting, and we're going to inform the president he's not going to come because it's canceled. So the shliach was devastated. So he wrote a pun. He sent a pun to the oil, and right afterwards he gets a call. You could do it. Okay. So they have a big menorah now over there because this is a nest of Hanukkah, the light of Hanukkah shining. So we should have light on Hanukkah and for the whole year. The light of Hanukkah is It's a powerful light which we have to use to serve Hashem even when sometimes there's darkness and avoid Hashem. It's challenging, it's difficult. But Hanukkah gives us the energy not only to overcome the darkness but to make the darkness shine also. Okay. Stop over here. What's the equal? Light and darkness are both equal.